You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington, DC, and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. As humans, we sometimes can get cringy when we see seasons not behaving. Uh, Growing up in Buffalo, like most of the country, we had four seasons, not the hotel, but uh, spring, fall, summer, and winter. And as you probably know, Buffalo can get pretty rough in the wintertime. It was fun when I was little, but uh, fall and spring would often get swallowed up completely by the winter, and eventually that got pretty annoying. And as humans, not only sometimes do we find the seasons when they don't behave cringy, uh, but sometimes when we see people not behaving in the seasons, it can be a bit cringy, say like in the seasons of aging. Uh, It will be forever ingrained into my heart, into my mind. As a a short-term missionary in the Dominican Republic, I would always see these older men, 50s or 60s, perhaps 70s, coming with their unbuttoned Hawaiian shirts, the hair coming out of their shirts, the aviator sunglasses, and hitting on these 20-year-old Dominican girls, living, trying to live out their glory days. Or maybe even more cringeworthy, I recently read that the new adolescent age in our country is considered 11 years old to 30 years old. (laughs) Seasons are really important. They are powerful things in and of themselves. And this morning, we're going to see Solomon reflect on seasons. And then he's going to make some very important observations about life as he thinks about the seasons. And what we're going to see him saying is really the thing he seems to say in every chapter of this book. And it's really the main idea of this book, and it's really the main idea of this message this morning, and it's this. Life has meaning in God. Life has meaning in God. Said another way, through Jesus Christ, life can make sense. Through relationship with God, our seasons are not purposeless. They're meaningful. Each is unique. Each has a point. Life can feel monotonous. It can feel meaningless. We all know it can feel routine. But this morning, our lives can make sense when we find ourselves in him, when we situate our story in his story and see who he is in a real way. Now, my outline is going to be up on the screen, and it's pretty straightforward, and it's going to be this. Number one, the problem with seasons, we'll see that in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 through 9. The search for progress, we'll see that in verses 9 through 15. And then finally, the search for justice. We'll see that in verses 16 through 17. Now, for those of you who are joining us perhaps for the first time, or maybe you've been in and out over the last few weeks, we've recently started a series in the book of Ecclesiastes that we're calling Life Under the Sun. Uh, This is because this is a phrase that we find about 30 times in this book. Solomon, who's who's had it all, he's had all the money, He's had all the pleasure, he's had all the success, he's had all the travel, he's had all the culture, 
Solomon is likely writing this book in the later years of his life. And in this book, he's taking us down memory lane of what his perspective on life was as a younger man. He's describing in detail in this book what he was thinking and what he was concluding about life. Now, this perspective is what we today call, as we mentioned over the last few weeks, a practical secularist. A practical secularist is basically somebody who believes that there's a God, somebody who believes there's a higher power, but lives and thinks practically like this is all there is. A practical secularist would say, yeah, there's a God, there's a higher power, but the here and now is what matters. We can only talk about what we can see. We have to find our comfort in this world. We have to find our happiness in this life. We have to find our meaning right now in this life. We have to make this our best life now, we might say. Ecclesiastes describes this perspective using this famous phrase, life under the sun. And this is the perspective that the younger Solomon is trying to speak from as we read the pages of this book. Now, however, what we find as we read the pages of Ecclesiastes, as we hear the words of Ecclesiastes, is that this perspective ends up not working. Solomon says famously throughout this book several times, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. vanity. It's all meaninglessness. He's on a search for meaning. He's on a search for purpose, and he tries to find it in pleasure. He tries to find it in travel. He tries to find it in success, in his position, in his experience, in his knowledge, in his wisdom. And at the end, he says, nope, it's meaninglessness. It's purposelessness. And that's really the message of the book of Ecclesiastes. That's his point, that if we try to live without any reference to life above the sun or beyond the sun, life without any reference or allegiance to God or eternity, then everything is pointless. Everything's without value. Everything's insignificant. There's no basis for rationality. There's no basis for human value and human life. There's no basis for meaning. It's all dust. Wesley described this quite well last Sunday. If life really is just under the sun, sooner or later you're going to realize, like Solomon does in this book, that life is very similar to being trapped on a deserted island with a closet full of board games. You can play the good guy, you can play the bad guy, you can take Boardwalk, you can take Park Place, you can take Baltic Avenue, you can take Mediterranean Avenue, you can be undefeated and guess who, but it's all pointless. It all doesn't matter. It's all monotonous. It's the same thing over and over and over again because death is coming. Now, that's pretty gloomy, as we've been saying each week. But what's so beautiful about Ecclesiastes is that it's only when we look over the sun, it's only when we look beyond the sun, when we look to things not of this earth, when we look to the things outside of us, the reality of the God over the sun, in control of the sun, that everything begins to change. We start to realize that death, 
the very thing that Solomon is most afraid of is not the end. That through Jesus Christ, we too can have resurrection and life eternal, which means that our actions, that our decisions in this life have meaning and weight, which means that our experiences of loss and injustice and pain have meaning and will have meaning in the presence of God. It means that things have significance. Life matters. Our actions matter. We matter because he matters. Now, with this kind of practical secularist mindset in mind, Ecclesiastes 3 really begins. And so let's dive in. We'll really see my first point, the problem with seasons. Verse 1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So Solomon is speaking with a poem. He spoke, he's speaking with a poem here about the seasons of life under the sun. He's artistic. He's used poetry before. In chapter one, his poem was about how the world has rhythms and patterns in it. He says in chapter one that there's unchanging patterns and rhythms and routines that the earth follows, and we can't do much about it. Uh, we can't nuke the sun. If we nuke the sun, that's not going to do too much. Uh, even if people or perhaps some of you think we can control the weather, we can't. We can't do much to change the rhythms and the routines of the world. Solomon essentially says the sun goes up, the sun goes down, the wind blows north, the wind blows south. And now here in chapter three with this poem, his second poem, he follows that same pattern. But this time it's about the seasons of our lives. He says, just like the world, just like the earth has rhythms and patterns in it, so do our lives. And often those seasons are put on us whether we like it or not. We can't do much about it. The point he's trying to make is that life is filled with seasons, and we're not ultimately in control of those seasons. One minute we dance at a wedding, and the next we mourn the loss of the one we danced with. One moment we laugh with our friends, and the next we weep for what people that we used to laugh with have done to us. We, we grow to love some people, and we grow to hate others. Yes, we make real decisions in our lives every day, but in reality, Solomon says, we all know that the seasons of life are not completely in our hands. We know we can't say, I'll take three hours of laughter today, and next week, I'll take 20 minutes of sorrow. We, we know we can't say, and next year, I will go on a journey and start a new life and be successful, and I'll be very happy. We know life isn't like this. Life is filled with seasons. And this morning, we're reminded that we need to look beyond the sun. We need to look above the sun 
to the one who made the stars, who holds all of our seasons in his hands, the one who died for us and rose to life for us. When we do that, we realize one big thing. Our seasons don't define us. When we look to the God who is above the sun, when we look to the God who is beyond the sun, when we realize that this world is not all there is, we realize that the seasons of life that we find ourselves in, the seasons that are thrown upon us, do not ultimately define us. Now, throughout the Bible, this is a prominent theme for God's people, that painful seasons do not define us. Shipwrecks don't define us. Bad circumstances don't define us. What we have or don't have doesn't define us. Life is filled with seasons, and one season doesn't get to define you. You may be in a tough season right now, but that doesn't define you. Seasons change, but God is unchanging. He is wise. He knows what he's doing. You've not been forgotten. His eye is upon you. His heart is for you. He has the long game in mind. In Christ this morning, we're not under his wrath, but we're under his mercy. Trust him. Let him redeem the painful seasons. See him in the difficult seasons. He can use our pain for great things. Joy is very real. On the flip side of that, I would also just note we realize others' seasons don't define them. As a believer, we don't primarily define others by which seasons they're in. We define them primarily as people made in the image of God who matter. That means it doesn't matter what somebody's net worth is. It doesn't matter their status at work. It doesn't matter their marital status, whether they have kids or not, whether they're doing well morally or not. It's not the primary thing. The heart of Jesus is to see people made in the image of God, needing the redemption of God, a redemption that transforms them, and most importantly, a redemption that defines them as sons and daughters of God. That means that someone perhaps we meet right now, if they're jobless or poor, in years to come, they could be a rich CEO or perhaps even your boss, but that's still not the primary thing. Or perhaps it means a single person with no kids right now, someday, perhaps in 10 years, could be on TLC with 15 kids, but that's not the primary thing. That means that the morally questionable person in your workplace in five years could be serving the truth of the gospel and caring for the poor in Brazil, but that's still not the primary thing. The primary thing is that God defines us. He defines others, not the seasons that they're in. It's his judgment, not ours. Now the passage continues, and we see the next point, the search for progress. Solomon asks, he observes these seasons, this reality in life, these changes, and he asks in verse 9, what gain has the worker from his toil? And of course, the answer implied here is nothing. So here's that practical secularist perspective coming to play. He's saying, at the end of living in all these hard seasons, you just go into the cold, hard ground. 
He's saying, what have you gained after living all those seasons of life? Nothing, Solomon says. He says, you're dead. You've experienced it all. You came and went and looked, and you have no lasting gain. He's saying, look at time. It looks like it just goes around and around. People are born. People die. They do some things. They do some other things. And it goes on and on and on and on. And when it's done, what progress have we made, asks Solomon. Where is history going, says Solomon. Are we getting anywhere, or is it just an endless cycle on and on and on? He's saying there's no progress. There's no real gain. But then the camera turns to God. And maybe we hear the older Solomon speaking, and he says this in verse 10. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That is, we all have a sense of God, but we're never able to figure out all the intricacies of God out. Verse 12, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. So he's like, look, there's seasons, there's times, there's a lot of moments, life is complex. But he says, real gain or real personal progress doesn't come through running through the gates of life and hoping we're racking up points. He says, real gain and real progress comes when you realize that there is a God. A God who is in the here and the now. A God who's God when we're not. In other words, he's saying, don't try to find meaning by blasting through all the different seasons of life. He says, you won't find it. There's no points handed out there. He's saying, you can find all the points right under your nose. You can find all the points by embracing the chapter of life that you are in, being faithful in it and knowing that God is in it. Now, this reminds us of one big thing, at least one big thing as well. Happiness or even joy is only something that can be experienced in the present. Happiness or even joy is only something that can be experienced in the present. But the truth is, most of us live as if happiness is something we hope to obtain in the future or something we've left behind in our past. But Solomon reminds us here that happiness is only something that can be experienced in the present. Blaise Pascal, an 18th century French philosopher, said it really well. We seem never able to be happy with the present. Either we yearn for the future and wish it would hurry up and get here, or we mourn the past and wish it had not flown by so quickly. He says, are not all of your thoughts occupied with the past or the future? We scarcely ever think about the present, for it is mostly painful to us. We conceal it from our sight because it troubles us. 
And if it happens to be pleasing to us, we only focus on the pain of it slipping away. Most of the time, we only think of the present to plan for the future. The present is never our end. The present is our means. The future alone is our end. So we never really live. We only hope to live someday because we are always preparing to be happy. We never are so. The point is, if we're not happy now, changing circumstances aren't going to make us happy later. A bigger salary, a different relationship status, a bigger house, living in a different city. Happiness and joy is a gift right now, in the present. And it's in the simple things, like friends, like family, like good food and good drink. God could have created us just to drink water, to be like a car that goes through a gas station. But he's given us taste buds. He's given us coffee. He's given us bread. He's given us chicken. He's given us butter. He's given us wine or fruit juice. He's given us cheese and steak and potatoes. And even though we live in this broken world, this cursed world with war and sin, with vegetables, we can, we can throw down a blanket. We can throw down a blanket. We can have a picnic and we can find happiness and joy in whatever season we're in when he's there. A change of circumstances might be God's will, but circumstances don't make us happy for long. Look to your relationship to God. That's the secret to being content. It colors in everything else. It puts everything else into the right light. Solomon adds later in the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 5, this is good for a man or a woman. Eat well, drink a good glass of wine, accept your position in life, and enjoy your work, whatever your job may be, for however long the Lord may let you live. Find happiness in the present. It's available. It's in Him. It flows from Him, and it colors in every other gift and blessing we have in this life. The passage continues, and we really see our last point this morning, the search for justice. Verse 16, Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. He says, I looked in the place of justice, and wickedness was there. He says, I looked where the people who really run things are, and I saw corruption instead of justice. And he says later in this book, I looked at the tears of the oppressed, and I saw they had no one to comfort them. In other words, he says the seasons go on and on and on. Time goes on and on and on. People are born. People die. They kill. They heal. And in the midst of all of that, there's no real justice. It all just seems so meaninglessness. Like there's meaning. There's no meaning in it. It all seems so random, Solomon says. But then again, the camera turns to God. And perhaps we hear the older Solomon speaking again. And he says in verse 17, I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. So he says, in a world that's just under the sun, lots of things, lots of human actions, even our actions have slipped through the good and the bad. There's no ultimate justice or fairness in a life that's under the sun. But then he says, but beyond the sun, there's a God. And with God, he sees it all. 
He says, one day God will bring it all forward. He'll bring it all to light. Every moment will have its day in court. Now this reminds us, lastly, of just one big thing. God is just. God is just. That means he is righteous. That means that he is fair. And that means that our actions have meaning. It means that our losses, that our pain will one day have a voice. It means that there is a judgment. God is not a God who's just wound up the machinery of the universe and ran off. God is not a God who doesn't see tears. He's not the kind of God who just winks at injustice and sin. He sees the evils and the brokenness of this world. And he's not apathetic. He's not indifferent this morning. This is good news for us this morning. It means that there is right and that there is wrong in this universe. It means that life is not just a crapshoot. It means that every tear, every single deed that has tarnished his beautiful world, every action that has damaged people made in his image will one day be answerable to the almighty existent God. And this morning, his power and his justice should not only comfort us, but it should make us look at our own hearts. We should say with the psalmist, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And the central message of the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ, reminds us this morning that not only is God just, but he's merciful. He's compassionate. He is filled with grace, which means in the gospel, our sins can be completely blotted out, which means in the gospel, we can be confident that one day we'll be pardoned in the courtroom of Almighty God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The gospel, as we close this message this morning, is the good news that God's judgment, that God's just character has landed on another. And this morning, we're reminded that to know Jesus Christ is to be united to him by faith, which means our day in court has been taken care of. 2,000 years ago, a substitute, a savior, paid the price. In the gospel, we remember God's greatest act of judgment was his greatest act of mercy. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. The demands of God's justice couldn't be set aside, but in the giving of his son, the demands of his justice were satisfied. And this morning, we're reminded that this is the God who is with us in every season, who is for us this morning, who is working out all things for our good, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And he calls us this morning to trust him, to trust him in every season, in the good seasons, in the bad seasons, in the hard seasons, in the annoying seasons, in the glorious seasons, in the gloomy seasons, and the great seasons.
to enjoy him in every season, to look beyond the sun this morning, to look to the God of joy, the God of peace, the God of justice, and the God of mercy. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.